is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson, Ben Watts, in the driver's seat with you, talking fantasy football, talking all the good stuff. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing great. It is good to be back. Apologies. We've been out for a while. We've been, each of us, I think, have been on vacation, been busy at work when we, work when we come back from vacation, so it's been tough. But hopefully we are finally getting back to a pretty normal schedule and can keep pumping out content. Yeah, hopefully getting back into the groove a little bit. Uh, you know, summer, I've missed this. summer's a fun time. I've missed this a I lot. Have, I have missed it too. I was telling and you before the before we recording, I was I was like, all right, Ben, I have missed this. I've missed this. It's it's tough as content creators this time of the season because there's just nothing going on. You get like a couple right. puff pieces here and there coming out from training camp, but really that's it. So yeah, pretty much. But we still got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of stuff to break down. We've been doing divisional breakdowns. Uh, we are finally to the main event. Yeah, we are tackling probably the most fantasy relevant division in the NFL. I think that's pretty safe to say. You uh, can build entire teams. fantasy rosters just from this division. Probably just you from really like can. one or one team. I mean, there are there's elite tight ends, elite running backs, elite receivers, elite quarterbacks. It's it's elite offenses everywhere and the AFC West is going to have teams playing in shootouts all year long. So you know, whatever your opinions about fantasy football, everybody can agree there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming out of the AFC West this year. Those divisional games are going to be a fireworks show. This division is must-watch must TV. Absolutely. Um, so, without any ado whatsoever, why don't we just hop right into it? Let's do it. First team off the bat, the Vegas Raiders. They... I guess they were a pretty decent team last year. They made the playoffs. It's pretty good, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Derek Carr threw for a buttload of yards. Not as many touchdowns, but a buttload of yards. Uh, Josh Jacobs was effective last year. And they acquired the best receiver in the NFL, arguably, in Devontae Adams, which probably raises the ceiling for this team a ton, but also... There's other factors here because not only did they acquire a great receiver, the division as a whole got better and the division as a whole is it's full of superpowered offenses, which means teams are going to have to score a ton of points to keep up, which means for fantasy purposes, a lot of positive game scripts should be in the cards for all these divisional matchups this year. Um, but hopping into it, Derek Carr, Ben, how do we feel about him? Does he take a step forward now that he's got a new number one receiver does that touchdown rate go up what are we what are we thinking about Derek Carr it's hard to not take a step forward when you acquire the best quarterback or wide receiver in football like 
Cooper Cup, like, I understand how, how great Cooper Cup is, but Devontae Adams is just the best wide receiver. I, th- I think it's a little more questionable than it has been. I think Justin Jefferson has more or less caught him. Jamar Chase is not far behind. But until it's still Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in football. And, and Derek Carr has always been good with, yeah. without Devontae. And, but he's never been elite. He performs well for fantasy, but he's kind of like Kirk Cousins to where he's, he's not going to kill you, but he's just solid. But solid like 20 points solid. Like that's a really yeah. good one for him. In the past, Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's coming off of two straight QB1 seasons, Kirk Cousins is. Derek Carr has never been a QB1. Um, I could be wrong here, and I need to fact check this, but I don't think Derek Carr's ever been a top 15 quarterback for fantasy. I'm Uh about to check that because I'm not sure. That sounds wrong, but he's. It sounds wrong, but I feel like that could be very right. Yeah. However, however, I think it's a big asterisk by him. Go ahead. Find your. Okay, here we go. Derek Carr, he has been the QB 12. He's been. That was probably what his second year. Because that was the only year he's thrown 30 was touchdowns. His, it was his third year. He's thrown 30 touchdowns once. That's kind of the big knock on him. He just doesn't throw touchdowns. He was a QB 13 last year. Um, So I guess, yeah, Kirk Cousins is probably a fair comparison. Kirk Cousins is a slightly better Derek Carr, but Derek Carr just acquired an elite wide receiver upgrade. So, they're, I mean, they're probably on even footing, I would say. I think, I think though, that... He's. I th- I've definitely got him ahead of Derek Carr, because he's been he's been on Kirk Cousins' level for a long time with what he's got. But I think that Devontae Adams can truly unlock the ceiling to Derek Carr. I'm like I'm not saying he's you know top five quarterback, but or anything like that. But just the addition of just the. I mean, he's the best. He's the best wide receiver and just incredible in the red zone so his touchdown numbers are going to go up the offense as a whole is going to be efficient it's going to be better which only can spell good things for Derek Carr so what do you think the touchdown sort of threshold we should expect from Derek Carr is does it just go to an even 30 or could he get to 35 I was going to say I think 35 is a is a good number to look for for him Okay, he is his past three seasons in touchdowns. Actually, his past four are 19, 21, 27, and then twenty three. Um, he he's a perennial four thousand yard passer, so I'm not really worried about that aspect. He's just not a efficient touchdown thrower. I agree though, Devonte Adams, and he does not run. No, um, but Devonte Adams is. I mean, like he's so good in the red zone. He changes the game. He's He's an elite route runner. He high points the football with the best of them. I mean, yeah. He's the best. Devontae Adams in the red zone. I don't see much uh, change for Devontae Adams personally just because, like, he his game won't change based on the quarterback no, I that think, he's got. I mean, well, you want to just talk about him now since we've kind of harped on him so much? Yeah, might as well. Just let's just. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, Devontae's still top five for me. He comes down some because, I mean, Derek Carr, as much as we like, I like him, he's no Aaron Rodgers. And this is also 
the most competition for targets I think Devontae's ever had because he's never played with someone on Darren Waller's level. Um, Hunter Renfro is still extremely good. So there are other very good options in this offense. But, I mean, he's still the – I mean, he's the clear alpha. He would be the alpha on any team he walked on. Yeah, he is – he's amazing. (laughs) I don't know what else there is to say. Like, you probably expect a little bit of a – I expect a little bit of dip. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to have the 30% target share he's been having in Green Bay, but it's still going to be, I mean, top five. No question. Yeah, I mean, if if Derek Carr goes for four thousand and like thirty two, Devontae At Adams is going to give you twelve of them went to Devontae Adams. Right, he'll give you twelve hundred yards and twelve. So, I mean, how much of a dip is that? Last year he was pretty much what was he fifteen hundred and twelve? So he had like eight slight down to last year. That was two years ago. Was it two? I swear he had a bunch this year. Maybe I'm wrong. It was uh, it was two years ago. He had his 18, 18 piece, but he did. What did he end up with last year? He's, yeah, it was fifteen, fifty, That's and eleven. Still last year. a lot. <laughs> still absurd. Um, but he, you know, the touchdown rate probably goes down a little bit. Aaron Rodgers always historically threw absurd amount of touchdowns, so that comes down a little bit. But um, his yards probably won't take that big of a of a dip. Um, I still think 12, 1,300 yards is very reasonable to expect for Devontae Adams. Maybe just a slight downtick in touchdowns, like 10 touchdowns even. Uh, but still, I mean, that's that's top five, I would imagine. And wouldn't be shocked to see him as the wide receiver one overall again. Yeah, there's there's always a chance that he just has an outlier year in terms of red zone touchdown production. He's going to get the targets in the red zone uh, if he catches them. You know, like Stephon Diggs... Uh, last year he had 10 touchdowns, right? But it was just a matter of he he had the red zone targets, and I I think it's fair to say the Raiders are going to make it in the red zone a bunch, and Adams is going to get a disproportionate yeah, this amount of those good. red zone targets. Right. So, you know, with Diggs last year, he had 10 touchdowns, but it was just because he really didn't catch the targets in the red zone. Devontae Adams, you know, he, he could go anywhere from like 8 to probably 15 touchdowns. I would imagine eight's probably his floor, right? Something along those lines. They probably their defense isn't amazing, so they're just with the quarterbacks in their division. They're going to be in a ton of shootouts, so that's like that's that's probably six shootouts guaranteed right. this season. Yeah, it's it's six games where you're going to have to score thirty points to win. That's that's exciting. <laughs> uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, kind of a revelation last year a little bit. Finished as the wide receiver 13, I believe it was, last year. Um, that was probably due to the fact that he played all 17 games. Darren Waller got hurt, so there's there's a little bit of context that needs to be taken into account someone. with that. Henry, <laughs> Henry, Henry Ruggs is now in prison. Yeah, um, that doesn't help. Yeah. No, it doesn't, doesn't help. Well, it helps run to Renfro, but maybe it doesn't help Ruggs or the, anybody else. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So he, his stock has fallen a lot, and I think that's and due to the fact that cor- he was the possession understandably guy. Understandably so. Right. 
anyone's he's stock no is longer fall if Devontae Adams comes to town. Right. Uh, he did get a new contract, though. I don't know how much that plays into it, but it's got to say something about the team's trust in him, right? Yeah. I think I think it's almost been an overcorrection with Hunter Renfro. No, he's not going to be what he was with Devontae Adams in town, obviously. But on Fantasy Pros, I don't know what his underdog ADP is, but Fantasy Pros has him as the wide receiver 38, which I like if if he's there, wide receiver 38, like that is a steal on Hunter Renfro. Like he could still be top 25, I think, even with Adams and Waller there. Like easily. So who do you think is the biggest loser of Devontae Adams showing up? Is it Renfro or is it Waller? Honestly, Waller, I think. But um, here's here's something I I think I was listening to the Footballers podcast yesterday, and they were talking about the Bengals and the target share that they had where um, I think – Chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd accounted for like 300 something targets for the Bengals. Yeah. And everyone else on the team, all like, well, maybe not Joe Mixon, but all the other wide receivers and the tight ends or wide receivers, I can't remember if it was wide receivers. Anyway, all the other receivers count, accounted for 27 targets. So 300-plus targets went to those three guys, and everybody else got almost nothing. And I think we could, just looking at the rest of the roster on the Raiders, could be looking at a similar situation to where he hyper-targets Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, and really nobody else gets any work, and these three guys all succeed. Yeah, I could could see something like that happening. I don't know if it'll be that concentrated. The thing is, it's tough to project with the tight end involved. Like, I could see absolutely Devontae Adams getting 145, 150 targets. I could see Hunter Renfro getting, you know, 115-ish. Um, then it begs the question, like, does Darren Waller drop a peg to, like, an 85-target tight end? Uh, does he even make it close to that 100-target echelon? I don't know. Um that that's tough because Devonte Adams is going to be David uh, Derek Carr's safety blanket, which Darren Waller has been when he's played in the past. He's been that sa- uh, safety blanket, and that's going to change. Like he, there's not going to be that third down. Derek Carr's just looking for Waller and is just going to hyper target him in those types of situations. That that's gone. He's not going to so, have the massive target share he's had. Right, he had and he's never really. Go ahead. He's never really been a touchdown hog either. So, I mean, he had 146 targets in 2020, which is amazing for a tight end. In 11 games last year, he had 93, which is, I mean, almost nine a game. So that's great. So, no, he's not going to have the target share. But the offense, again, like we've said, this offense is going to be really good. And there's chemistry with Derek Carr. Derek Carr likes to throw him the ball. He's still really, really good. So it's not like he's just going to be bad because Devontae Adams is there. He's going to be – his volume's going to dip, but I think the efficiency should rise. And when you're just looking at tight ends, like he's still a top five option just because of the scarcity of the position. 
Right. Yeah, it, because tight ends all suck, Waller could end up still being really good, but it could be a diminished version of what he is in the past. Given the efficiency and, I guess, situation, Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller this season? Uh, Kyle Pitts, pretty easily for me. Pretty easily? Yeah. I think I would still take Pitts, but it's not that far for me just because, I don't know, I haven't seen the efficiency, and I love Kyle Pitts, but I haven't seen the efficiency from him yet, whereas I think Waller could easily get the efficiency. I mean, on a per-touch basis, Kyle Pitts is the most efficient tight end um, in terms of like, see, Pitts, Pitts is super efficient, but he just doesn't get the 140 target volume yet. That he's could probably going to get year. that this year, though. If he gets that, I mean, he's he's a 1300 yard tight end. That's I can't imagine him. You know, 15 yards per catch last year. I can't imagine him not being a 1300 yard tight end. Darren Waller, like he gets 140 targets, it's 1100 yards, and that's amazing for a tight end. And he ain't going to get 140 targets. No. If he gets 85, I feel I, that I'd feel good about it, and that might still be a top five tight end but it might just kind of be a a really inconsistent top five tight end that's pretty fair you want to move on to the the running backs for the Raiders yeah we've got a little bit of a controversy here or at least the fantasy community would have you believe there's a bit of a running back controversy here if you got Josh Jacobs Kenyon Drake Samir White you don't think there is so I I am not sure how I feel about this. I think I'm a little bit on the fence here. I obviously would lean Josh Jacobs, but there are reasons to believe that potentially there's some concern. There's two reasons, I think. Number one, the Raiders did not pick up his fifth-year option. Number two, Josh McDaniels is the new uh, coach coming over from New England where a workhorse running back does not exist for Josh McDaniels. And Josh Jacobs' calling card has been a workhorse running back, a three-down bell cow kind of guy. They drafted Zamir White in the third round, I believe. Is like, Could there be some kind of a commi- uh, committee happening here, or is Josh Jacobs still the dude for you? I think he's still the dude on this offense. I, gotta, <laughs> I made a little note in here. like He's the running back version of Derek Carr. He's not flashy, <laughs> but he, he gets the job done. And yeah. I think his ceiling could be higher just because the offense is going to be more efficient. He is really developed as a receiver, which people don't really seem to talk about, but he was really good. He had you know, his rookie season, 27 targets, 20 catches. Then he had 45 for 33 in 2020. This past season, he had 67 targets for 54 receptions. So that's really excellent receiving work along with his bell cow role, and he is the goal line red zone back for them. So, and part of that is due to Kenyon Drake being gone. But even when Kenyon Drake was healthy, he really wasn't getting used hardly at all. Like, he was getting his best game. I think he had nine targets. But then, other than that, it was like three targets a game at best and four carries. So, Jacobs could still be in for a big 2020 season. Zamir White will have a role, I think. But, again, he's still more of a handcuff. I'm not super concerned about him. 
What do you and, think is and the long gonna... term? Good. What do you think is the long term outlook of this backfield? Long term outlook is probably going to be, at least as of right now, Zamir White, assuming they don't draft anyone next year, because they're. That's a. I heard, listen to somebody, and, it, and they made a good point that since this is more than likely Josh Jacobs last year as a Raider, they could just wear him out this year. <laughs> they could. <laughs> like, is that not, and that's not an unreasonable thing to think, I don't think, like I would guess, because they're going mean, to let him go or trade him or something, because they're not going to pick up his fish year option, so. Yeah. I could see that happening. It's just the history of the McDaniels backfields that they just don't they just don't (laughs) they don't get elite volume regardless of you know contract status like Damian Harris obviously McDaniels is gone but Damian Harris is coming into a contract year and nobody thinks he's going to get elite volume because they'll wear him out like it just it just doesn't happen coming from that offense the but thing I mean, is, we though, also I don't just know saw Damian you... Harris put up a top ten season, and that Granted, was with like no receiving work. So if Josh Jacobs can do that in a, this should be a much better offense than the Patriots' offense, and he can catch the ball. Yeah, but that was that was off of fifteen touchdowns. That was goal line, and the Raiders will throw the ball near the goal line. They've got Waller and Adams that can be receiving threats in the red zone. The Patriots didn't have anybody like that, and they were still bringing in Mac Jones and kind of developing him. So I don't know that that part of it translates the same way. Uh, I, I still think Jacobs is pretty much a locked and loaded RB2. I think that's probably fair. Um, there's a lot of people saying Samir White could just steal the show this year, and I'm not going to say that's impossible. Um Maybe not even likely, but I think that that's somebody to watch out for. If nothing else, he could be a pretty interesting handcuff. I think you yeah, noted that an, in here. Keep an eye on him as a handcuff, but I mean, I maybe I'm wrong. I just don't see him having a ton of value unless Jacobs gets hurt. Fair enough. Why don't we pivot over to the Denver Broncos? The... Broncos kind of shook things up a little bit. They decided, all right, it finally happened. We've we've had enough mediocre quarterback play. We're tired of having a good team and no dang quarterback. So they went and got themselves a future Hall of Famer. And really, they didn't give a whole lot up to get him. But they went and got Russell Wilson. Uh, they, They got Nathaniel Hackett to come in as the new head coach. This is the guy that was the initiator of the offense in Green Bay for the past few years. So theoretically... And I didn't have a note in here about Hackett, but that's a that's a good point, too. Yeah, he's... Russ is no longer the quarterback of a run-first offense. He's Pete the quarterback is of gone, a pass-first offense. He can't offense. hurt you anymore. Right. Like, all this in the past of letting Russ cook, like... I think this is probably the first year that we will see Russ actually get the chance to cook. Like, the offense is going to funnel itself through the passing game. They're still going to be a good running team. They've got Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and a good O-line. They're going to run the ball, but I do think that they're going to allow Russ the opportunity to be the linchpin of the offense, to be the um, 
I think they're going to let Russ be the reason why they win games. I think that's fair to say. And they're going to have to in that division. They're going to they're have to put up some serious points, but they have, really, they have the ability to. Russ really doesn't. I'm looking at their weapons and everything. He really doesn't have a downgrade from Seattle. Like, like DK and Tyler Lockett were excellent wide receivers, but, I mean, Sutton's good. Judy's good. They got um, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, and then this is probably the best running game Russ has ever had. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is probably a better running back. Okay, well, I, I forgot peak, about Lynch. I was I was thinking of Chris Carson, <laughs> and he well, had yeah, some excellent Chris seasons Carson. under Russ too. Yeah, it's it's definitely better than Pete Chris Carson, non injured Chris Carson. But yeah, I it is probably the best, most well rounded offense that Russ has ever played with. I think that's and they pretty got a good defense. fair to say. They, they don't just have a good defense; they have probably a top five defense. I mean, they've got. They've Which, in everything. a way, that really doesn't help us for fantasy. <laughs> like, I don't need low-scoring games, guys. Yeah. I although, need 45 to 42. Right. And 45-42 probably doesn't happen for them. But, you know, 28-24, yeah, that'll happen. Um, 31-20, I think that that sort of thing happens. I think that Nathaniel Hackett says, all right, I've got a Corvette. I'm going to drive it. And... He's going to let Russ be the initiator of everything that they do. They've been a run-first team in the past. They've been a run- and defense-focused football team, but they've got the receivers. They've paid the receivers, uh, and they've got the quarterback. So this this might be a very different-looking Denver Broncos than the one we've seen in years past. They have not averaged 20 points a game, I think, in their past five seasons. And I think that that's going to change in a pretty drastic way. So, passing game is looking up. What about the running game, though? Running game last year was still great, pretty phenomenal. Is is there a scenario where the four hundred plus touches that Javante and Melvin Gordon shared does that pie come down at all? I think so, but like I don't, I'm not. To the point where, because of like Russ is gonna throw the ball six hundred times a year, like he's gonna be what he usually was. Like Russ is a very good passer, but he's very efficient, and he will at times lean on his running game and he'll throw to his running backs. So, I mean, there's still a ton of upside with both of these guys. Melvin Gordon ruined a lot of people's plans with Javante Williams, including me. I'm not happy about that, <laughs> Melvin, and we need to talk. But so top five may not happen, but I'm still not going to be surprised if Javante Williams is top ten. He's an excellent talent. He's extremely efficient. He had he's a really good receiver in 2021, and so that can only go up. I'm imagining with Russell Wilson, we've seen. I mean, he was really good in a terrible situation last year, and we've seen Chris Carson have some excellent fantasy seasons with Russ. And Javante is a better player than Chris Carson. So I would expect he had, I think, 900 rushing yards, probably like 300 receiving yards, so 1,200 total yards. He had seven touchdowns last year. I would expect all of those numbers to bump up. I'm looking, you know, maybe he, I'm thinking maybe 1,000 rushing yards, receiving work, 
is probably going to come up some, maybe not a ton, but he's going to be enough to where it is relevant and 10 touchdowns maybe. Like, it's going to be a good year, hopefully, for Javante Williams. And Melvin still is going to be valuable. Yeah, I'm I'm conjuring an image in my mind. Remember um, a couple years ago, Robbie Anderson had 140 targets, was like the safest player in fantasy that year. Remember that year? I think so. I'm worried that Melvin Gordon is the running back version of Robbie Anderson this year, where he was really good for you last year, was an amazing value, but you're going to get lulled into the, I guess, false security that you're expecting this offense to bring, and Melvin Gordon's just not going to deliver what you thought he was going to be. I don't yeah. know if I'm like scared too much. Like Melvin Gordon's still a really good, really good player. I'm just He's worried that Javante is. Yeah, I'm just worried Javante is like a vastly better player than what Melvin Gordon is right now. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, they didn't bring him back to purely serve as to spell Javante. Like they're going to still give him the ball, but it's not going to be a fifty-fifty. I mean, I mean the Broncos could do it. But I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split like it was last year. Like, it was dead even 50-50. I mean, Javante is going to take a step forward. Right now, he is the better player of the two. He's younger. He's got all the skill sets to succeed. Melvin is a declining player. But he still has value. His role is not going to be as large. But I still think just the offense is going to be efficient. And they're still going to give him the ball. He's, so he's going to be a good RB, not a good RB3, but he has probably some RB3 value. Pretty, a great handcuffed if you have Javante Williams and maybe some standalone value here. Um, he had 900 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. So like that's that was good, especially with Javante in that backfield. So it's not going to be what you want it to be, but he will have some value. So according to Underdog, Javante's going as the RB14 in drafts. Um, that's the top of the third round. I don't know. How how do you feel about that draft spot? Like at the top of the third, you might still be able to get DeAndre Swift or like your pick of some of the elite receivers. Swift is there. You are, but I think it's it's still there's a chance that it could happen. Um Javante at RB14. I don't know. That it's a boom bust kind of player. Spot for him. See, I that's a tough spot. Um, I don't know. I think that that's probably fine. Um, but maybe just because that ceiling that we expected to be there is gone, that like that in the third round scares me a little bit. Um, See, I don't think it's like his ceiling was top five, what we were hoping for, but like 14 feels like a pretty safe bet still, even with Melvin Gordon there. Like it's going to be a good offense. His floor feels like 17. Like that's a bad season for Javante Williams if he's the RB 17. So yeah, I'd take him at RB 14. That's yeah, probably. Um, Moving to these receivers. We mentioned that Russ has a stable of them, and there's a bunch. And 
We've talked He's extensively got Corlin about Sutton. these guys. <laughs> We've talked so much. So much. Uh, but and we're going to do it again. <laughs> oh, man. The main debate, Cortland Sutton versus Jerry Judy. Obviously, if you've listened to the show, you know that Ben has an opinion. I have an opinion. I don't know. I don't think you can go wrong, honestly. Like, I don't think that because one might on finish them. better. Yeah, it's call your shot, but I don't think that if you say Judy's going to be better than Sutton, that means Sutton's going to stink. Like, I think both are going to be really good, and it's vice versa. Um, here's the thing, though. For me, it's Cortland Sutton, and it's Cortland Sutton because Russell Wilson is, like you mentioned, one of the most efficient passers in the NFL. But he's not just an efficient passer. He's an efficient deep ball thrower, and he's a prolific deep ball thrower. And Cortland Sutton is one of the best deep ball pass catchers in the NFL. He had a 15.7 yards average depth of target last year. Uh, he also had 29 deep targets in 2021, which despite the fact that Teddy Bridgewater was throwing in the ball was still top 10 in the NFL. And Russell Wilson is historically top 15 in air yards per attempt and red zone attempts, which I think are two areas that benefit Cortland Sutton. In the red zone, Cortland Sutton should own. And as a deep target, Cortland Sutton should own. Um, I think he is going to be the red zone target for this offense. I think he's going to be the deep threat, the field stretcher for this offense. Whereas I think Jerry Judy operates sort of in the middle of the field between the hashes. Um, he could rack up a ton of yards, but I just don't see him with the scoring upside that Sutton does for me. Um, so I'm in on Sutton. I, I think he is going to be the wide receiver one in the offense. But also, Ben, that doesn't necessarily mean that I think Judy's going to stink either. I still think Judy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, Judy is going to um, – he's going to – I mean, he's still a good outside receiver. He's probably going to do more operating in the slot, especially in a lot of two wide receiver sets. But Judy – Judy's kind of gotten a bad shake the past two years just because the situation's been awful in Denver. Um, he's more of a skill-wide receiver, I guess, than Sutton. Sorton's the big kind of alpha, and Judy is a route technician. He's incredibly smooth. He gets open. He, uh, Gosh, I wish I had pulled the stat up, but something like on his route win percentage like was something – absolutely insane like it was 90 something percent like he he can toast people and beat people off the line he was an elite prospect coming out of Alabama he was injured a lot last year obviously Teddy Bridgewater Drew Locke are not quarterbacks you want uh when he and Sutton have both been on the field almost every time he has out targeted Cortland Sutton now that can a lot of that can play into like we said the quarterbacks they're probably Judy, I guess, is the safer blanket guy, and Sutton is the you got to throw it deep to him. So maybe that played a factor into it. But I'm still on the talent. I think Jerry Judy is one of the most talented receivers in the league. He's an incredible route runner, which will now he's got a quarterback who can actually get him the ball when he's beating all these guys. So he's going to be great. They've also got Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler for the offense, so it's not just two guys. It's like four guys and a good tight end. Tim Patrick's um, always Hamler, been good. 
Yeah, Tim Patrick is like now there are like just a really solid guy. There are little flags to note on his is because he's had he's had back to back seven hundred yard seasons, which is really good with terrible quarterback play. But the past two years, Jerry Judy and Sutton have been injured a lot. Correct. Um, but when he's had the opportunity to kind of step up and fill the role, he has. So I think he's a good player. He's just buried on the depth chart. Like he is for sure the third receiver. There's a potential uh, for him to be the fourth receiver, though. If KJ Hamler coming off his ACL injury kind of takes a step forward and carves out a, a larger role in the offense. Tim Patrick could end up being like the best fourth receiver in the NFL. But KJ Hamler is really interesting. He's a decent best ball player, I think, where he could have games. Yeah, I mean, he could, he'll have a game when he might catch three passes, but it's for 70 yards and a tutty. And like, okay, (laughs) he didn't do much in the overall grand scheme of things, but you know, he caught that deep bomb and Russ is going to throw deep bombs. Um, KJ Hamler's really interesting. He's a blazing fast player. Yeah, in, He's in the my fastest note, guy on the I, offense. All I have for him is KJ Hamler is fast and Russ throws a great deep ball. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think Hamler is the deep threat, but he is a deep threat. And He's going to open there will be, up. Yeah, there will be the occasional game when KJ Hamler just catches a bomb and and that's the fantasy production for the day. You miss him one time and it's over. Right. So he's he's potentially dangerous. He's a guy that I would take a, a dart throw on later in drafts just in case he carves out a bigger role. I mean, it could get wacky and like, you know, Jerry Judy just flops or Cortland Sutton just flops and Tim Patrick, Say KJ Hamler so. takes a step forward. So please don't happen, but, you know, I guess it could, theoretically. Um He's pretty good. Russ has said KJ Hamler's a future star for whatever that's worth. Um, that's my, I would say I would say probably not worth much, but you know it maybe is something. Who knows? Russ is a nice guy. Rounding, says a lot of nice things. Russ is corny, and that's coming he's one from of, a big state fan. You say he's corny? He's super corny. He's a nice guy. Russ is one of the nicest quarterbacks in football. He's super nice, but he, he is, is up I will there give with it, Justin Herbert. Not as nice as Justin Herbert, but he's up there. No, Herbert Herbert is nicer. I think Russ is uh, a little bit self-absorved. He's very nice, but he's, he's all about Russ. Ciara. You have to be. Uh, fair enough. I think Ciara played a pretty big role in that, but that's that's neither here nor there. Good for Russ. I ain't There's a... Yeah, he's he's making millions of dollars. Who you, you can't. And his wife is guy. worth more money than him. Yeah, fair enough. There's one final guy, actually, slash two, in this offense that could be potentially interesting. One of them, definitely more than the other one. Albert Okwebenam. I hope I said that right. I put Albert O because I can't say that, and I'm not going to try. <laughs> it's I so much even, harder to spell, spell than it, it is to say. Spelling it is a nightmare. Like no. Just don't even try. Just but, it's Albert O, guys. <laughs> this is your name. He's potentially interesting. He's not really shown it on the field. That's what's so odd about this. He's got no volume to pull off of, but he was good on a per touch basis last year. Yeah. Uh, he only had like 17 catches, but it was for 
want to say 170 ish yards. Um, he was essentially on a per touch basis equal to Noah Fant last year. This was like the um, only thing about this trade that made me really sad is because I was really hopeful for a Noah Fant to like get him a quarterback, and then I saw like crap, they sent Noah Fant to get him. Right. Um, so Albert O could be interesting. Uh, maybe a back end tight end one. He could be like every year there's that tight end that just kind of the stars align and he takes a step forward and is relevant for fantasy. Alberto could potentially be that. The problem is he's probably the fourth target in the offense. I think Russ That's is going to target these receivers. At, yeah, he could be the fifth or even, eh, no, the fifth. Fifth would be worst case scenario. But they also drafted Greg Dolchich, who's probably the second, maybe third best tight end prospect coming out, depending on who you talk to. He's potentially interesting. He was an athletic freak coming out of UCLA. He comped to, uh, I think it was George Kittle, comped pretty similarly to Dolchich. Take that for what you will. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Albert O, there was a lot of hype for him initially once the trade dropped, just because everybody kind of parlayed that Noah Fant breakout onto Albert O, and then we all kind of calmed down a little bit and realized, mm, I don't know if that'll happen. But he's still interesting, and I still think he's a pretty good shot as a, a late tight end one, potentially a high tight end two, and he's got a future. Um, I don't, I don't know what to expect from him for twenty twenty two though. Um, there's, there's too many question marks around his workload for me. If you haven't taken a quarter or a tight end late in your draft, I would take him. Yeah, I'm willing to take him like the fourteenth round or something, or. You know, wherever. That's where you're looking at for him. Yeah. Just an upside pick. Moving on. Here Kansas City are. Chiefs. We've got a team here yes, sir. that is perennially a top five offense. I'm not sure that that changes a whole lot. Tyreek Hill moved. <laughs> They're going to be really good still. Uh, Tyreek Hill moved in the offseason to the Miami Dolphins because very sad the Chiefs said we don't want to pay you 30 million dollars a year we're going to acquire a stable of receivers instead of him. no they cannot there's there's no chance but they did acquire a few other receivers to fill that void it's it's not the Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill show anymore it's Travis Kelsey and like four decent receivers after that and Clyde Edwards Alaire is a competent pass catcher. They also brought back Jared McKinnon, who is, again, a competent pass catcher. I still think like the volume of passing is very similar in this offense, but it will get spread out a lot. Um, a lot of people have cooled on the offense as a whole for fantasy, though. There's a lot of people that have dropped Patrick Mahomes down a little bit. They're not really bullish on anybody except Travis Kelsey, maybe. In the offense, um, I've seen some wild takes like Joe Burrow is going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. Um, maybe for real life. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe for real life, but for fantasy, that seems like absolute lunacy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where are you at with the whole Patrick Mahomes thing? How high are you ranking him going forward? I've dropped him down in my rankings. To quarterback three. 
<laughs> like he's he's still top three guys. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I've got Josh Allen and Herbert over him. That's it. I yeah. I actually got into a a little bit of an argument with a guy on a forum. He was you know asking opinions on a trade, and I don't remember exactly all the details, but it was essentially a Javante Williams plus some picks for Mahomes and a couple other pretty decent players, and. For whatever was this reason, in a like Superflex. Yes, this was Superflex uh, trade question. Okay. And for whatever reason, like a lot of people were saying, like, "Oh yeah, it's Javante and the picks for sure." And I was just kind of blown away. And you know, I, I put my opinion out there, and they're like, "Dude, Mahomes is uh, you know how much he's fallen." I'm like, I get that Tyreek Hill is gone, but with the stuff they replaced him with, like, I don't know really how much he comes down like you can't replace Tyree Kill obviously but they added so many more weapons like he's still going to throw just as much as he did I think it's Patrick Mahomes is still elite we just don't know where his targets are going to go but he is still going to produce at just as high a level as he always has yeah and if we know anything about Andy Reid it's that he's going to and I think that early on in the season, Patrick Mahomes might be absolutely on fire because Andy Reid will have schemed up packages for this yeah. offense that nobody's seen before. What happened last year was the NFL caught up to the, all right, we've got to basically Tampa 2, they Box figured him 1. Out finally. They figured out Tyreek Hill. They said, all right, just don't let him beat you deep. Make him beat you underneath. And it sort of slowed the offense down a little bit. But Patrick Mahomes was still the quarterback four. Tyreek Hill was still elite. Travis Kelsey was yeah. still elite. Like they still produced, but they were slowed down just a little bit. They were like a step slower. Um, yeah, like I get but, there's there's a lot of questions about this offense. Yeah, but I don't think there needs to be any about Mahomes. It is like all the questions are about his weapons. The questions are about who will produce. The questions are not about the quality of the offense. It's still going to be fine. But now I guess we're going to get into his weapons and this is where the questions are like I don't know I truly don't know who to pick from these guys I don't know either I think for receivers it's probably a toss-up between Juju and Sky Moore and I'm probably inclined to pick Juju Smith-Schuster because I've seen him produce before but I wouldn't necessarily call you crazy if you pick Sky Moore to be the wide receiver one the thing is I don't think the wide receiver one now I think Travis Kelsey is the like number one target I don't yeah, think anything don't, changes with him. We don't need to talk a ton about Kelsey. He's, like, I get he's getting a little bit older, but especially with Hill gone, like, he's far and away the top target in this offense. He has Mahomes, complete trust, so he's fine. Still the tight end one, tight end two, if you prefer Andrews, but that's a different argument. But yeah, he's, I he's think I, I think I'm with you. Like, I don't, I'm not a really high on Juju, but I still think he, if I were betting, I'd bet on Juju just because we've seen it from him before. Yeah. With Kelsey being the um, top target, we have seen Juju produce really well when Antonio Brown was the top target in the Steelers' offense, and now he's got Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't have to shoulder the wide receiver one burden. Yeah, with Pittsburgh, he had to deal with an aging Ben Roethlisberger, and he was the 
focus of all the defenses they faced. I don't think he's the focus of any defenses anymore. Like they'll still scheme for him, but Travis Kelsey is the top target and Patrick Mahomes is light years better than the big Ben that uh, Juju played with for the past three, four years in the NFL. Um, I feel like he'll emerge sort of as the safety blanket because he'll be, he's going to do most of his work in the slot and outside of obviously Kelsey, like Sky Moore has a lot of potential, but he's a rookie. So we don't really know what he is. And Hardman and MVS are going to be more of the field stretchers. So you're going to see Juju get a lot of those slot targets and sort of be another safety blanket for Mahomes, I think. Yeah, I think that they're going to try and divvy up Tyreek Hill's role to multiple players. Like Tyreek Hill was both a underneath threat and the deep threat. And they're going to just say, like, they can't replace everything in one player. They can't have one player that does every single facet of their offense. So they're going to say, all right, Nicole Hardman, MVS, they're going to be the field stretchers. But then we're going to bring in Juju to be the uh, underneath guy, the run-after-catch guy. Sky Moore is going to work sort of intermediate on the sidelines, and Tyree, uh, and Travis Kelsey's going to do what Travis Kelsey's always done. They're just going to attack it in multiple different ways, and maybe no receiver gives you the 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns that Tyree Kill has given you, but they're going to do it by committee. Uh, and I guess you're just trying to pick the guy that you think is most likely to hit 1,000. And I think that Juju just based on projected volume, is probably your best bet to hit 1,000. Yep, I agree. Juju, probably this year, I think uh, long-term, Sky Moore definitely has the higher ceiling because he is – He's pro- I think he's probably a little bit better athlete. He's faster. He can not be Tyreek Hill, but he can be closer to Tyreek Hill play than Juju can, I guess. So – he won't be Tyreek Hill, but I think he has the highest ceiling of all the guys. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, to the running backs. This is yeah. where it gets really interesting. <laughs> There's... Yeah. E. So, okay, there there is a generally known truth, and it's not really a hard and fast fact, but it's it just tends to be the case. When there are a significant amount of targets vacated from an offense, they just find themselves going to running backs. Uh, Or at least that running backs get an uptick in targets from the year previous. I think that there is a possibility that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is more valuable for fantasy than he was last year. But I'm still not convinced that he's a actually good running back there are some things that would say that Clyde good. could be better. <laughs> you hate him, and and I I, I'll be I honest. Him. I don't like him either. But, but he's but. not a good running back. I'm sorry. He's, he's undersized. He's not good. He's undersized. He's kind of slow. He's not really been great on the goal line. Uh, he hasn't done a he ton. He was not a top five prospect coming out of college that year. No, he like, was not. Taylor Swift... Akers, Dobbins, who else is in there? Gibson. There's probably another name I'm forgetting, like 
all of those guys are better than Clyde Edgerler. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Clyde just ended up in the best situation and vaulted all of them. But he's got one year, I think. This is his year to prove that he belongs. I think he's going to get the chance to prove it. He had, and this was really weird, he had appendicitis going into last season and dropped to 150 pounds prior to the season and then he, gained all the weight back. He dropped what? He dropped to 150 pounds. Uh, he dropped to 150? Correct. And then gained the weight, weight back. Well, he's like 100 and he's probably 200 pounds right now. But I, okay, okay. I definitely heard that wrong. I thought you said he dropped to 250. And I'm like, say, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. He, How big okay, is this so he guy? Had, he had appendicitis last year or he lost his appendix. I, I don't know. But at, at some point in the offseason last year, prior to the season, he was 150 pounds as Dang an NFL running back. Yeah. And then he had to gain all the weight back. And I think he played last year like 180, 190 pounds. Um, but like putting on 40 pounds in two months or a month or whatever it is, like that, that's not good for the overall conditioning. <laughs> nope. And so he was not in great shape last year. And it probably showed like he just, he was not really himself, even though the year previous he wasn't amazing either. He was fine. I don't know. It, there's a path, I think, where he is healthier, where he gets his full off season and he's better. Uh, but it might just be that it's a product of the offense more than it is Clyde is actually amazing. Yeah. But there's a chance we could see the best CEH we've seen so far. There's a chance. And, and if he doesn't there's deliver. there's a world where he falls behind Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon. Yuck. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon was an interesting signing because he kind of did pretty good. He played really well. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good towards the end of last season. We just never really seen it over a long stretch of time. Uh, I guess if Clyde gets hurt, which he's shown a propensity to do, that, that, that tends to happen. That that's that's a thing that happens. Um, Rojo or Jarek McKinnon could be pretty interesting. I'm not really stoked about either one of them outside of injury for Clyde. But, you know, Rojo is a really good rusher. He's a terrible pass protector and a terrible pass catcher. But he's a really he's really good per touch really as a rusher. It, well, it's just, Very true. It's, unfortunately, it's just true. <laughs> um, Jared McKinnon could be interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think they're both in the case of injury and not much else. Unfortunately. L.A. Chargers. There's My a lot of good stuff here, division. too. <laughs> Your favorite team, maybe in the league outside of Atlanta, maybe outside of Cincinnati. It's because of one man. It's because of Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Justin Herbert is amazing. He is that dude. That is literally your number one point about Justin Herbert in the show doc is, is that freaking dude. That is what he the point is, is. He is the man. I think, at, like, I love Joe Burrow. I think Josh Allen's obviously my favorite player in the league. I've said it many times. I think Justin Herbert is number two behind him. I love watching Justin Herbert. He is so much fun. 
Yeah, he... The thing with Herbert is, like, he is... He is a Josh Allen body with the capability to run like Josh Allen, but he he just doesn't. But he throws so much, and he's so efficient, he's so and he well. throws balls deep. Like, he throws touchdowns in galore. He's not really afraid to force balls in where they need to be. Um, he's he's everything you want in a fantasy quarterback. He's big, he's strong, huge arm in an offense that they're just going to let him throw the ball all over the field. He has the ability to rush the football. He did it in college a ton. So it's obviously there. Um, but his rushing is, won't be up there with Josh Allen, but I mean, he is good at it kind of thing. Like yeah, he's, he's a very capable he's, He runner. puts up Mahomes rushing numbers, which is like 300 yards and four touchdowns. So that's nothing to scoff at. Right. Yeah, you got in here that he and Mahomes, oh, I'm reading this wrong. He had nine games of 300 plus passing yards in 2021. He had 38 touchdowns. That's wild. Is it? That's, and it's crazy to think his numbers could get better. They could. Like we haven't we haven't seen the best version of Justin Herbert yet. This is year two. He's doing this. Yeah, and he's doing it. I mean, he threw a fair amount of interceptions last year. I want to say he was second, or I guess second I think to last, like twelve or thirteen. It was fifteen. Fifteen? Oh wow. Yeah. So there was a there was a fair bit of interceptions in there. Uh, but I if that care. goes to like ten, it, you really can live with fifteen picks. But if he's throwing forty touchdowns, ten picks, I mean, 5, he's probably yards. winning an MVP. Yeah, he's. Is it safe to say he's pretty much a lock for five thousand yards at this point? Like in that ballpark. Pretty close. Because I just don't see them. This offense is a pass first, second, and third offense. Even their running back is a basically a receiver. Like Austin Eckler um, is an amazing running back, and he does not affect. He like he's not going to take anything away from Justin Herbert's passing, like in his running game. They they don't care. Right. the The whole offense is generated around let's let Justin Herbert be the the driving force here, and the running game is supportive of the passing game, and the passing game. He's got targets that sort of fill every need for a quarterback. He's got the big play outside receiver. He's got the route technician, the savvy veteran. And then he's just got deep threats that can go catch a 70-yard bomb and outrun a safety. Um, And I think he's got an upgraded tight end as well. And he's got a top-five offensive line. I mean, he's got everything. They. This is a team that I think is probably going to be a top five NFL team in real life and is probably also going to be a very elite fantasy offense coupled with that. Yeah, and I, I saw like an article to where they're gonna, you know, start letting Herbert call more of his own plays on the field, which I mean, I, I don't think that's really coach speak. Like it just makes sense. Like he's extremely smart. We've seen him develop at an incredibly fast rate. Like they're just gonna turn the keys over to this guy. Like it's yours, man. They're going to live and die by Justin Herbert, and what we've seen this first two years, they're going to live very well. Yeah, they're they're going to be really interesting. Um, He's locked in top five with a clear path to being the QB one overall. Yeah, I think it is. Him and Josh Allen, for me, are pretty much equal, I think, in fantasy long-term value. Josh Allen gets a slight nod 
just because we've seen him run for 700 yards. But I don't think that that is, I don't think that that's what we should expect every year out of Josh Allen. Um, but I think Justin Herbert's a better thrower than Josh Allen is. If it, you know, maybe they're, it's a slight difference, but like they're pretty close. Any, the rushing, the passing is negligible. I think Josh Allen gets a little bit of a boost. Yeah, just like you just sick of the rushing, but it's pick which one you want, man. Yeah, and since you can get Justin Herbert in the fifth round in a lot of drafts, even in Superflex, which kind of just is baffling. Like you should, <laughs> you should take Justin Herbert in like the early third round in startup. Uh, super flex drafts, but you can still get him sometimes in the fifth, Did late fourth. Did you say fourth. in super flex drafts? Not in super flex, sorry. In one QB. I was about to say, like, My fault. What super flex are <laughs> no. you in where he's in the fifth? No, not super flex. In one QB drafts, uh, you can still get him sometimes in the fifth round, which is just mind-boggling. Like, I'm taking him in the fifth round a lot of times. I'm not a early QB guy. I'm going to wait till the seventh, eighth round to take a quarterback guy just about every time. But if I see Herbert like I in the mid-fifth round, I'm taking him because there's a good chance I've got the QB1 on my roster. Yeah, I think he's... I mean, I wouldn't get mad at you for taking Mahomes over him, but to me, he's passed him in redraft and dynasty for the time being. Yeah, for the time being. I think if Mahomes, like if next year they draft an elite receiver or if Sky Moore turns or out to be an these, elite receiver... if these weapons... Yeah, but say if these weapons turn out fine, I mean... Mahomes could be right back up there with Allen. Yeah, I think everybody's just worried that the weapons are different. And like the the only difference between Justin Herbert and Mahomes at this point in their careers is weapons. Like in terms of talent, you can probably argue Mahomes is a better talent, um, but you can argue that Justin Herbert yeah. has better weapons. And for fantasy, it it just the difference ends up being negligible. Like they they rush about the same. Um, and Herbert probably throws for more yards than Talent Mahomes wise, does. Herbert, Herbert, I don't think is really behind him. I think it at best is equal. Yeah, they're they're very very similar. Um, but we've we talked about Herbert enough. Everybody knows how we feel about him. By we've now. gone on like uh, ten minutes about this guy. I'm getting a Justin it, Herbert jersey. Dang it. <laughs> uh, Austin Eckler last year was kind of a revelation for fantasy teams. I got to experience it in one league, and it was wonderful. Uh, Austin Eckler was great. He He's was everything you want. He, he was an absolute cheat code. Uh, he was second in the NFL in running back receptions, uh, tied for second in targets, uh, and he had 20 touchdowns last year. That probably comes down just a little bit. But I don't see it That's coming the only down knock a on ton. him this year. Is I don't see that happening again. But I could see. But that like being said, he's still 15? top five. <laughs> yeah, I I don't see twenty. Like twenty is twenty is insane. You can't really project twenty. But I could totally see him getting fifteen total touchdowns, and he's done that before. Like he's had a season. I'm gonna check just to be sure. But he's had a season when he had eight receiving touchdowns, and I think it was seven rushing touchdowns. Um, and that was. That was his other top 10 season, if I'm remembering correctly. But that's, I mean, that's 15 total touchdowns and, you know, eight and seven. Like, you're not batting an eye for something like that to happen. No. Yeah, he did. Nope, I definitely read that wrong. He had three rushing touchdowns one year and eight receiving. Um, but this past season, he had 
He got goal line work. He had 12 rushing touchdowns. Oh, yeah, he is receiving. the red zone weapon. Yeah, he is. It's not just that he's a red zone rushing weapon. He's he's kind of their red zone receiver, if we're being totally honest. He does everything. Yeah, so you can lock him in for probably between six to eight receiving touchdowns. And then the rushing, like, probably 12 comes down, but maybe It'll be a little bit eight, more volatile, but, six. I mean, still be fine. Yeah, if it if it gets halved, and he still has his usual six to eight, that's, like he's, I say, still sticks touchdowns. That's it's still twelve what? to fifteen touchdowns. Yeah, he's great. He's he's going to be very good, and he's he's hyper efficient. What's crazy about Austin Eckler is he had games where his usage was next to nothing, and he still produced for fantasy. I think he um, still had like just overall touches was really high, which you you see him more as like a an efficiency guy, but he still got the ball a lot. Like, I think he yeah. had almost three hundred like total touches. Yeah, he had games last year. Uh, there was one game against the Chiefs when he had thirty four percent of snaps, and he scored sixteen point two fantasy points. There was a game when he had forty six percent of snaps. And he had 15.4 fantasy points. And this is in half PPR. Um, he does not need to be an 85% of snaps kind of player to deliver fantasy production. Like, that was virtually... He's not built no, to handle that either. As in, like, he's not built to handle, like, huge workloads? Yeah, that's not his game. Right. His game is efficiency on a per-touch basis and receiving. And he is maybe the best at it. He might be. And he's in an offense that I think is the best for his skills. Like He's in an ascending offense which utilizes him perfectly. Right. His new backup theoretically, Justin Jackson was good in relief last year, but we think the new backup is Isaiah Spiller. They took him kind of late in the NFL draft. Was it the fifth round, Ben? Something like that? Somewhere in there. They've yeah, done this like was the past three years, I think. They have. They've been trying dart throws on Eckler's backup for a while. They took, uh, what was it, Larry Roundtree? That Roundtree, was funny. And then uh, who's the other guy they had this year? It was Justin Jackson. Jackson and now Spiller. But he's like 26 years old. So, you know, they're moving on from him. Uh, but now it's Isaiah Spiller. And Isaiah Spiller is really interesting because... Up until the combine, honestly, Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall were sort of a pick em. Um, There were folks that genuinely thought Isaiah Spiller was the better NFL running back, but then he tested, and all his tests were terrible. Oh, I mean, wait, he was he's slow. not athletic. Right. Oh, oh, snap. He's, he's not any of the analytical numbers that you want your uh, future NFL running back to be. So he slipped in the drafts. Um, but he was very solid on a per touch basis in college. He showed an ability to be a receiver. Um, a really good receiver. He was, but I don't know. I mean, he's, he's not going to be one Austin of those. Uh, he's not a good prospect, but it's a good situation. Right. It's a very good situation. And I guess maybe in a couple of years you could see him transcend Eckler 
an aging Eckler if as uh, the starting running back. But I could also just as easily see them, you know, being like, all right, Isaiah Spiller, you're a really good backup. We're just going to go draft our starter somewhere in the second round. And yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know. put too much stock in him other than, you know, maybe a year or two's worth of value, as, you know, he's the he's the backup. But if Eckler ever gets hurt, he becomes extremely interesting, and I, I think he'll have relevance even with Eckler there. Like he's not going to be amazing or anything, but just with his his skill set, he's gonna he's gonna have some decent games. Yeah, he's. He's going to have a potential pop game if Eckler is hurt he scores just because of the nature there. of the offense. Yeah. It's going to be an so – moving, they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, it's going to be a very friendly offense for fantasy points. I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. Um, moving to the receivers. This one's really interesting. There's a lot of debates. I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, Ben. Are you more in on Keenan Allen straight up or Mike Williams to finish? Like, which of those two do you think finishes higher in uh, 2022? Ooh. I think Williams has the higher ceiling, but I would still prefer Keenan. I think I probably would, too. Um, Williams can take the top off of a game, but Keenan's game is consistency. He, I mean, he's had 130 plus targets the past five seasons. He was the wide receiver 10 in half PPR last year, and he never had a game over 20 points. His highest game was 19. Yeah. He but he was every week like a 14, 15 point guy. Like I talk about Diggs as the probably the safest of the top five wide receivers. He is the safest wide receiver too. Like if you got Diggs that and Keenan said, Allen, your team is gonna be your wide receivers are locked in like thirty points a week. Like just that's it. Yeah. That being not said, thirty five, he does not, not less. Thirty. Right. <laughs> He doesn't give you the ability to just go win a week, which is what Mike Williams offers you because last year there was a stretch where Mike Williams won every week for fantasy managers. You just put him in, honestly, and people were putting him in their flex spot because they just he didn't know what they had. Lighting the league And he was fire. amazing. Yeah. I but wonder when he cooled down, he cooled down. He cooled down a bunch. And he, like, it wasn't just that he was, you know, a nine-point guy half his games. He was a full-blown bust in 45% of his games last year. So he was legitimately 50-50, boomer bust. He was either going to give you, like, 16-plus with a chance at 35, or Or he was going to give you four. Yeah. So Which feels weird when like ex- Herbert is your quarterback. Like, how are you out there catching two balls? He threw the ball sixty times. Right. And it's because Keenan Allen got consistent targets. Austin Eckler got consistent targets. And Mike Williams was the deep threat. And occasionally there were games where he just for whatever reason, and it makes no sense because I think he's a good receiver. But there were games when he just sort of, I guess because of game script, just did not get the volume 
Um, but in those in those high volume matchups, like the Browns matchup last year, I mean he was nuts. He had like thirty five fantasy points or something. If they got to throw the ball a ton, Mike Williams tends to pop off, and maybe that is what you look to. You know, this division got better. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. They're going to have to score points, and in those games, maybe you can just count on Mike Williams to be uh, more consistent. Yeah, If he can just bring some consistency to his role, he's going to be great. Because they you really didn't hear he's going target to... competition. So he and Keenan no, both repri- reprised their same roles, basically, with, I mean, it's the same potential they had. I just think if he, and he can be more consistent, so... Yeah, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you've got in here that his ADP is the wide receiver 21, which I think is – that's a that's a really good price. I'm willing yeah, to pay he, that price because I think he's probably like a top 15 guy. If he's the same boomer bust as he was this past year, I mean, I guess that's still probably a pretty good price, but I don't love it even though he was the wide receiver 12. But if he adds just a little bit of consistency, like don't just don't bust as hard. Like if a bust week can be seven, eight, nine points instead of one, then we got something going here. Yeah. There's a couple other guys worth mentioning. Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton were uh I guess deep threats going or uh for for the Chargers last season. Josh Palmer legit looked like a sleeper option in that period when people thought Mike Williams might sign elsewhere. Josh Palmer looked like, oh, snap, they might have... I still like Palmer a little bit. Yeah, I do too. In fact, I've got him on... I think I've got him on all my uh, Dynasty rosters, but he's really interesting, and I, I don't know how much I'm willing to trust him just because the two guys in front of him are pretty much cemented. And I think Gerald Everett's probably a pretty decent tight end as well. So I, I don't know how much he gives you per game, but I think he's really talented coming into his second year wide receiver. Jalen Guyton's also interesting just because he had games when he would give you like two catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. And he's the you know, KJ that's 15 for points. Justin Herbert. Pretty much. Um, both of those guys are potentially interesting. If one of the top two receivers gets hurt, I'm pretty willing to go pick up Josh Palmer and roll the dice on him just because of the offense. I think he I mean, will even be as really, right really now, good he's if, probably if he gets a chance. The, he's probably Herbert's third wide receiver, and it's Justin Herbert throwing in the ball. Like there's, He's got potential, and he's got a fantastic quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a world where he's the fourth target in the offense, where it's Keenan, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and then Josh Palmer could come in there at number four. I I mean, that's possible. Um, Gerald Everett, they picked him up in free agency. He's coming down from Seattle. He's a good tight end. Um, probably better than Donald Parham was. But, I don't know, I nothing mean, they were, super Jared, duper Jared flashy. Jared Cook was having good weeks last year, and he was he's like 40 years old. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a friendly offense. There's going to be some touchdowns there. I think Gerald Everett is probably a pretty decent tight end too, I'm guessing. I, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I would take him as a very a solid tight end too with potential. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty safe He spot. has breakout written all over him. Yep. And that, that, that kind of wraps up 
the AFC West. Uh, is there anybody else you feel like you're really hurting to talk about? Uh, I think we covered every player. I think we got them all. Uh, that's it for this episode of the Fantasy Brothers. That was a big one. Um, that was a fun one. That was that was a chunky boy. Uh, everybody, enjoy your July 4th. Grill some hot dogs, some hamburgers. Talk with your buddies about some fantasy football. Ben and I will be doing the same thing. Uh, and we'll see you next week when Finally who knows NFC. what we're doing. Oh, yeah, we got to get into the NFC. Good God. <laughs> Not as exciting. Not as exciting. Well, no, it'll be great. Uh, we got NFC breakdowns coming at you next week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.